Hello and welcome to episode 59 of the NFL Scotland podcast. Our holiday hiatus is over and all eyes are firmly on the 2019 season. My name is Cameron Hobbs. My name is Paul Mitchell. We're well rested, the turns have been topped up, but now it's back to business as we look ahead to the upcoming season. We'll be talking about some of the headlines over the last few weeks, as well as some of the news items coming out from training camp. We'll also be following up for our latest podcast, letting you know how the Scottish teams got on in July. And we'll be hearing from one of the Scottish members of the BAFA Women's UK team ahead of the Women's European Championship in August. But let's kick off for a change, Paul, with the news. We normally wrap up with it, but it's the start of a new season. and We've not been here for a couple of weeks and there's been a lot going on. So what I'd like to do is cover all 32 teams at once, okay? (laughs) We are worried, insert player's name here, that he has suffered a, insert name of injury here, and may be out for the rest of the pre-season. So that covers every 32 teams, because what is one of the most boring stories that ever comes out of training camp is, oh, so-and-so's having a great training camp, but oh, my goodness me, so-and-so's hurt themselves, and... They could walk out fine the following day again. It's just such an overreaction. We've seen that in the Saints today with their wide receiver um, that's setting the heather on fire. He's hurt himself and will it be the end is nigh. But what I thought might be quite interesting was if I said to you, if you looked at the injury list as things stand, how many players do you think Dallas have got out, projected to have out for week one? Oh, for, for week one, surely not two, three. Dallas currently, if you go on, there's a website that you can look up for all this stuff. Right. Dallas have got 16 players what? projected to miss their week one game. Now, th- th- this is mind-blowing. Now, whether these are guys that are going to make the roster or not, but it's well worth it. All you've got to do is Google NFL injuries latest, and it shows you by team all the various injuries. So we talk about news and injuries I was making light of the, the training camp thing, but it happens every year in training camp. And the sad thing is, there's going to be a handful of guys whose season is over before it, before they even get to training camp. We saw that with Jonah Williams uh, of the Bengals, the round one offensive tackle. Now, we knew he was likely out for the season. But what about AJ Green? Torn ligaments. Could be out anything up to seven to eight weeks. Now, if you're a Bengals fan and you're Zach Taylor, the head coach... You're starting to get worried already. Oh, absolutely. And the player in question is arguably the most important player on the offense. When AJ Green is fit and healthy, the Bengals do well. And when he's not, they tend to struggle. Joe Mixon, Tyler Boyd, they're good. They've got options there, but not a huge amount of options. Uh, we've talked about this loads. You know, the Bengals are decent and have a chance as long as they're fit. As soon as AJ goes down, you're thinking, oh. And, and it's you're right, because what you get is that, oh, it's just a sprain, should be fine, going for a scan. Oh, no, the scan says it's something worse. It is the same old nonsense. And actually, as you're saying that, I'm just having a quick look on um, Twitter as well. And there's one person in particular has tweeted in the last few minutes that Tyreek Hill, Derek Henry and Andrew Luck have all picked up injuries today. So, you know. <laughs> it, it, it happens. Let's cover a couple of those names. One, Andrew Luck. Now, the calf injury. Now, I was in the States. I was following the story a little bit. Remember when he was out for a year because his shoulder, you weren't sure how bad it was. I'm hoping that this isn't another one. I, I can't see it being another one like this, but they're being very circumspect about the calf injury. The only good thing is it's you know nothing to do with the throwing mechanics. So hopefully he'll be okay. So you switch that round and there's players like Julio Jones has come out and said, pre-season? What a pre-season, mate? Nothing to do with me. 
I'll train, I'll get organised, but do not expect me to play in pre-season. Part of me thinks, is he being a prima donna? The only part of me actually worries that his timing is then out in week one. How do you get that timing? How do you get that real-time contact? But if that's your top player, leave him alone. Yeah. Don't bother risking him. I totally agree. And you've looked over the years and you've seen the trend more and more um, that you know the, the backups will play more. And the fact that the, the teams don't need to cut their rosters now till after that fourth preseason game is perfect. It gives more players the opportunity to play in that fourth game. And it's pretty much all the backups at that point. It's the guys that have got that final roll of the dice to prove themselves. And over the years, um, Hard Knocks has been fascinating for that very story. And the fourth game becomes entertaining because it's those guys that are on the bubble, those guys that are on the edge that you're kind of maybe been watching thinking, he's got something about him. Well, actually, the fourth game's the one, if he can prove it in that, then there's a chance he's going to make that 53. Uh, plus, it's also the opportunity for those players to put themselves in the shop window. So it makes that game a little bit more competitive because those players themselves have something on the line, whereas preseason can be a bit of a dull watch. See, what I'd like to do is I'd like to suggest to the NFL a different pricing structure for their preseason. Because they charge pretty much the same. So week one, full price. Week two, 75%. Week three, 50%. Week four, 25%. Get the stadium filled. Now you can imagine two lots of guys on the bubble having a real go at each other, putting absolutely everything on the line in front of a full stadium. People would go to that and people would watch it on telly and I think you'd see the ratings go up. So NFL, thank you. It's not a problem. Just send me the check. <laughs> uh, but I think that would be a good idea because if I'm going to a pre-season game, I'm not paying full whack. Just not a hope. You know, you wouldn't do it for Hearts reserves against Hibs reserves or Hearts third team against Hibs third team or fourth team against the fourth team, whatever it comes down to. Um, so I think it's about time they, they took this into account because you'd reckon that 80 to 90% of the players who are possibly more, who finish, you know, in the fourth quarter, aren't going to be on the roster. So give them a chance to put absolutely everything out there and show what they can do. The other category, of course, is holdout. And there is no bigger than Ezekiel Elliott. Well, indeed. Melvin Gordon's close, but you're right. Zeke is the number one holdout this year. Well, the reason I didn't say Melvin Gordon, because you've got to look at what Philip Rivers said. And Philip Rivers was like, oh, okay. Fair enough. Next man up. Yeah. On you come. There was no riding to the rescue, I felt, in his comments. And, and quite right, too, if that's the attitude. You know, Melvin Gordon could be out injured. So you've got to go to the next man up philosophy. So that's why I don't think you should ever overhype someone. Because there's no point saying, oh, you know, without Melvin Gordon, we're not going to be very good. We're not going to do this. And try and put pressure on management. If he goes out week one, the first thing a journalist would say to him is, well, you're not going to be very good now, are you? So I, th I think there's a bit of, of, of giving and taking here. The ones I feel sorry for is the guys who are trying to make a team. Um, Orion Stewart, Tampa Bay, torn ACL. You know, had a great time with the San Antonio Commanders, was going to be one of these people from the AF that would hopefully step up and boom, ACL, that's him done. Yeah, Corey Coleman, the other one with the ACL, that's a danger one. Um, and to your point about Julio Jones, you just look at a player like that and the Giants already having lost Beckham at such a sore point anyway, but now you lose, fine, not your wide receiver one, but with a golden Tate uh, suspension. suspension pending, um, suddenly they're looking bereft of 
you know depth at the wide side uh, and that's got to be a problem for them it's going to be a concern they'll certainly be hoping that Golden Tate can win his appeal and I think based on the story if everything can be you know validated he's certainly got a strong case for it um, but you're right and I, and I wonder as well whether the holdout as well is an opportunity for these running backs in a way to rest up a little bit as long as they intend to come back because I think there's been this assumption that oh he's holding out but he'll be there he's not going to be he's not going to show he's not going to not turn up but Levy and Bell last season just proved that he might not actually come back I still think the Steelers are right if he doesn't want to play for you don't let him play for you I mean two things one is if there's any of our listeners that are flying to New York in the next three or four weeks uh, you get off the plane you go to passport control you collect your luggage there's a special area inside the airport to test out his wide receiver and if you don't make it you then go to the Jets, you test out there, and then you get let off to go to New York. So you'll be absolutely fine if you're going <laughs> through there. Now, just on that Ezekiel Elliott thing, I mean, the Cowboys have signed Alfred Morris. Yeah. <sighs> you know, that, that, that's a bit like hiring Gordon Ramsay to cook at your restaurant, and he might not be available, so you get me. There, there is no culinary threat from me to Gordon Ramsay. There can't be a threat from Alfred Morris, really. No, and I mean, I think he averaged five yards per carry when he was at Austin, which was all right. But, you know, he went to the Niners and I thought, right, OK, here's an opportunity for him uh, to play in a sort of dynamic uh, offence under Shanahan. Then McKinnon went down injured, they brought him in. But actually, you know, there was multiple running backs ahead of him by the end of the season and he just wasn't used. A bit of a pointless one in the, in the end. Um, yeah, I mean, great for Alfred Morris to get an opportunity again. Fantastic. I wonder whether that's been a move as much to say to Zeke, look, fine, we've got somebody else. But if that's what they're trying to do, it's not exactly... No, and I think what we should say, and if people are listening to us for the first time, what we accept is that all of these, anybody who plays in the NFL, quite simply, is brilliant. Really, there, there's no two ways about yes. it. We're not going to play in the NFL. That ain't going to happen. So you accept that everybody at that level is really, really good. And we're not knocking them for that. But you then start to grade within that band because that's his peers. That's who you've got to go against. And he's not been successful in the last couple of years. And that's no great. I mean, Ezekiel Elliott would have had a look at that and had a chuckle to himself. I've no doubt. And I don't, he doesn't mean it badly. We all know in our own jobs when we're good. You know, if the boss is trying to bring in somebody new, you think, well, they're no threat to be, yeah. you know, they can't code, they can't count, they can't do this or whatever. So, you know, there, there is always there is always that. The other the other story that's not going away, I think, from the off-season is the Browns just continue to get the love and the hype. But you know what? It's starting to look more and more justified when you start to look at their, their potential 53-man roster. It looks really tasty. Yes, it does. And already, I, whether this is just that the Browns media team are doing a better job than some of the other media teams, but the hype coming from their social media account is hot. Um, I, the Browns fans are rightly excited about this. Now, we've got a little bit more of a focus on the Browns as well because Jamie's there, Jamie Gillen, obviously trying to win his place on that 53-man squad and by all accounts doing very well about it as well. Um but it does feel, yeah, there's something, there's a real buzz, there's real excitement. Um, it feels it feels young and feisty. You know, Miles Garrett's coming out and giving it big licks. You know, he's, I think he was ranked 50 in the top 100. Yeah. And they said, you know, he came out right away and said, that I promise you now that's the lowest I'll ever be again. Um, or the highest, depending on the way you look at lowest. But, um, you know, there is confidence. There is a lot going on there. There's a little bit of tetchy fighting going on as well and Freddie Kitchen's making them all do runs and them. 
Um, you want that edge in pre-season, that's a sign of a team that's come to compete, and that's what you need to have. I still um, wanted to see Greg Williams in charge. <laughs> I thought he did really well at the tail, yep. and I thought he did everything. And just given his rambunctious nature, I thought he just would have been a great mix to try and take this lot through. Knowing that, you know, if that went wrong, you've got Freddie Kitchens in the building. Anyway, so Although if that went wrong, it would go really wrong with all those egos in there. But it would be brilliant viewing. You're oh, right. Dumpster fire with, <laughs> w- w- without a doubt. It's fine. Instead, we've got that with the Raiders. So it's all good. We've got that. That that that's definitely covered for the season ahead. I, I cannot wait for hard knocks. <laughs> the, the one thing I should say, you know, being on holiday, I was in quite a lot of sports shops trying to pick up, you know, various bits and pieces. The Raiders jersey, just that solid black, so unfussy just looks the business. They might have the coolest jersey in the NFL. I'm not necessarily saying the best, but there's just something about the one that they've got out there. I saw in the, the replica shops, just literally pure black. There's very little on it, even to identify it as the Raiders. It looks as cool as can be. A couple of stories I think we should keep an eye on over the next few weeks, and we are going to be diving into each and every team. Um, Kansas City seem very bullish about their defence. Mm. New England seem bereft of receivers again. I don't know if Tom Terrific can just keep throwing it to himself. <laughs> um, other stories that, that perhaps to look at, there's projected currently two rookie quarterbacks to start. Kyler Murray and Dwayne Haskins, the only two rookies projected to start. It's quite low in some, in some ways because I don't think, how do we look through? There's not a lot of them necessarily knocking on the door. So I think what we're going to see is Basically, the classes of 16, 17 and 18 getting the chance to mature um, to see where they come. The other little story that was kicking around is how is the NFL going to embrace gambling? Because sports betting is starting to change in America. It's not just your Las Vegas, New Jersey sports books. Things are starting to change there. Um, Now, if you look at any Scottish Premiership game, English Premiership game, the number of betting companies involved is horrific. You look at, you know, the, the shirt sponsors, certainly down in England, you don't recognise some of them because it's all based on the Chinese market. The NFL is going to have to think very carefully about this because knowing the NFL, they like to keep everything tight and together and control it. But this could start to get a little bit ugly. And, I mean, I don't like all the betting stuff that goes on. I think everybody likes... A little bet, a little pun, you know, just a little bit something extra. But the the outside influence is now starting to get greater and greater. Be very interesting to see where they go with with gambling. Yeah, it is interesting. I think you know, bringing it back to football in this country, you do always tend to find that there is an element of betting company and alcohol company involved in sponsorship because these are the industries that directly a benefit from the pound from the sports public. You know, if, if you're if you're going to the game, your money's going on the ticket and you're buying food, but you're probably getting a beer beforehand. And if the, the beer is the beer of the team that sponsors you, you're going to go for that beer. It just naturally, you're wearing the shirt, you're going to drink the pint. And um, if you're then going to go into the game and you're going to put something on your team to win, well, you're going to use the bookie that's on the front of your kit, or as in, in the case of Paddy Power, but even though they've removed their branding from the front, their name's all over it, if you know what I mean, because of the campaign. Um, it is very interesting, like you say, to see what they do. You've got companies like Fanjo that have been doing things a little bit differently, but it's not outright gambling as such, but it is paid for uh, a gamification of the sport. So, 
Yeah, definitely. Uh, let's be honest, though. The amount of money that it would be worth to the industry is astronomical. If it starts to become a mainstream, it just absolutely is. Uh, there's huge potential for these companies, so I can understand why they're getting involved in it. Um, you know, we've had great feedback from McBookie and the you know a great Scottish bookmaker firm. We hope to do more with them again in the future. Um, and that's you know that's great. There's that's the fun element of it. That kind of little gamble, little bit. But yeah, we know from this country when the fun stops, stop, and it's got to be applied over there as well. So I think that you know um, it will be interesting to see how that is adapted. Um, the one other story that you were talking about, one of the stories we didn't touch on much, was X player doing particularly well. The one that fascinates me but doesn't surprise me in the slightest is coming out of Miami. And the fact that Ryan Fitzpatrick is apparently outgunning Josh Rosen early on doesn't surprise me in the slightest because we've seen time and time again from Fitzmagic, he is more than capable of being a good quarterback. The first two games of the season last season, and you know personally oh, as a Saints fan, yeah, yeah. he absolutely slung it around like a monster and everyone was on the bandwagon. This time of year, I think he's a fair weather quarterback. I think he likes the sunny temperatures. Um, and down in Miami, he's going to do well then. Um, but it doesn't surprise me, Josh Rosen, a player whose confidence is going to be down, dropped after one year by the team that took him in the first round the year before versus a guy who's been released but he knows what this is all about he's going to be in their heads up but i think perhaps the long-term strategy for josh rosen is that's perfect let ryan fitzpatrick go out there be the man watch him see what he does see how he deals with it and actually you can develop behind somebody now rather than have to be chucked out there in at the deep end and get absolutely smashed yeah and talking of quarterbacks mark sanchez retired he did uh i'm looking forward to hearing him on college football i think he'll be excellent as an, as an analyst. Yeah, I agree. In a couple of interviews I've seen him uh, with him, he speaks very well. Um, I think that the quarterback position allows you to see more of the game. I think that Tony Romo is now the standard bearer of quarterback into the booth. Um, I can't expect him to be as good as that, but if he's even half as good, or if he's even 50% better than Jason Witten, he'll be better. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he does there. I, the thing that I picked up from this, though, um, and I touched on it on Twitter and a hat tip to Mike Carlson for highlighting it. I hadn't realised that the butt which caused the butt fumble was a former Scottish Claymore butt. Now, there you go. Of course, Mark Sanchez famously, you know, just seeing the ball going, going all over the place and Mark Sanchez trying to scramble to, to get back on it. Um, yeah, Mike, I spotted that. You retweeted it. Yes. Uh, that Mike Carlson. Um, had spotted that particular link, which is it's always nice to get a wee tarp in touch. Absolutely, <laughs> I just thought it was great that you know that that big butt that was sort of garnered and built in some way over here in Scotland. So that's our contribution to the NFL for now. <laughs> and I know one of the things that you, that you done is you managed to get a Mark Sanchez jersey once he'd left. Yes. So I was looking in the shops uh, when I was on holiday at the available jerseys now that people had moved on. Because, yeah, I'm a Saints fan, but if there's an attractive jersey somewhere else, you know, you might want to pick it up. We do various events yep. and things like that. So, Ryan Tannehill, lots of them about. Gerald McCoy, lots of them about. Odell Beckham Jr., there was a few of them. Lavon Bell. Now, I have to tell you, Blake Bortles, the, the nice dark black and teal jersey um, from the Jaguars, I picked that up Um Went to pay for it, but got intercepted on the way and uh, <laughs> couldn't complete the transaction. 
<laughs> oh, that's a joke that's travelled 5,000 plus miles for you just here on the NFL Scotland podcast. <laughs> right, so um, moving on from some of the news items then, and we'll talk about um, some of the football closer to home on our last podcast we, of course, had the head coaches from the Edinburgh Wolves, the Aberdeen Roughnecks, the Glasgow Tigers and the East Crowbite Pirates on. Just to give a quick update as to how those teams have gone since then. Let's start, first of all, with the really good news up at the top in the Premier North. The Edinburgh Wolves won their final game of the season 47 points to 6, uh, which moves them into fourth place in the division. That means they're safe and they'll be in the Premiership next season. The team that they beat, the Leicester Falcons, finished bottom. Um, and ultimately will be relegated. So Edinburgh welcomed back Jamie Morrison from his time in Prague. We're able to sign him. Um, he played at Tamworth, always a hard place to go. The guys have to get up at five o'clock in the morning to make it down there. There's no way I'd be functioning at two o'clock if I was up at five in the morning. Um, so that was his first game, but his second game back. Put up 47 points. The Wolves scored a total of 114 all season. So I think that shows you how... Where the problem was. Absolutely. Yeah. How important he was. And, you know... Um, Don Edmondson had mentioned that, the fact that they'd gone through multiple quarterbacks through injury. They'd just been, couldn't get any breaks at all. So great to see Jamie back. Brilliant to see the Wolves in the Premier Division. Hopefully they can build on from there. East Kilbride Pirates needed a favour from the Aberdeen Roughnecks in the final game of the season. Unfortunately, that wasn't to be as the Roughnecks lost 16-6 to the Northumberland Vikings. That means the Vikings win the division. The Pirates still do go into the postseason. Um, they will travel to play Sandwell Steelers on the 11th of August. The Steelers unbeaten all season that's a tough game and they're going to have to travel to Birmingham but we wish the Pirates all the best on that one so that game on the 11th of August so Aberdeen Roughnecks and Glasgow Tigers both finished on 4-6 and six for the season great first season for the Roughnecks in NFC 1 North the Tigers were disappointed with that but you know it's definitely something for them to build on for next season and then we'll just dip down very briefly we didn't really touch on this all that much but NFC 2 North um, congratulations to Clyde Valley Blackhawks, who've already won their division, even though they've still got a game to go. They're at home to the Inverclyde Goliaths this Sunday, the 4th of August, 2 o'clock kickoff. Um, but the Clyde Valley Blackhawks finished top there. Dumfries Hunters uh, were in second, although I think Inverclyde Goliaths can go above them if they manage to beat Clyde Valley in the final game. Um, and then there was a couple of English teams after that, we'll not even mention them. Um, but, you know, um, the... The, the BAFA season's been really good. It's great to have a Scottish team still in the Premiership. So, you know, brilliant for the Wolves. Uh, and we hope to hear more from some of these teams as well. We we got really good response to that podcast. We've got uh, it's really good downloads on it. So clearly people want to hear it. We're going to continue to do it. We'll keep focusing on it. And at our live events in Edinburgh and the one that we're going to do in Glasgow, um, we hope to have some of these people along uh, attending for that one as well. So that's the sort of main game, but now we're absolutely delighted to be joined by Amy Wilson of the East Crowbite Pirates. She's part of the BAFA UK's women's team that are going to be taking part in the European Championships in August. So thank you for joining us, Amy. Afternoon. Amy, first of all, tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, so my name's Amy, I'm 25. Um, I've played football for four years. I play on the offensive line and I've played or, well, I started out my career in uh, East Kilbride Pirates. I played there for three years and I've recently joined Glasgow Tigers as well, which has been an experience. Um, and then I've been playing GB since 2016. So it's been, been a long time. 
Absolutely. And obviously, having played for Great Britain since 2016, you've got that bit of experience there. But tell us a little bit about the upcoming Women's Championships then. Okay, so it is held in Leeds, so it's on home turf. Um, it starts Monday 12th of August. Um, it's a four-team round-robin tournament. Um, we'll all play three games each, and hopefully we'll come out for gold. So what are the other teams that are coming up against you then? Um, so first of all, we play Sweden on Monday the 12th, 7pm kickoff. Um Sweden we're very much focusing on just now. That's our first game coming up. That'll be our first huddle. And then um, on the Wednesday, we play Austria. They're an unknown team. We haven't played them before, so we're really excited to be playing them to see what they're all about. And then it's a rematch between us and Finland, which should be really exciting since we beat them at Worlds two years ago. Yeah, and obviously, so these tournaments happen for the women's game every second year. You've you've done the World Championships. This is the European Championships. Yeah. What's the sort of standard like at this level then? Do you find that these other countries are playing at the same standard or is Great Britain above and beyond? Oh, no, definitely the same standard. Um, we know that Sweden have improved a lot since we last played them four years ago, um, the first European Championships that we played them in. But um, no, we're we're not expecting this tournament at all to be in any way, shape, or form easy. We're looking for you know looking forward to that challenge, um, and we're just looking forward to the, the competition. It's not often we get to play these kind of games, so we're really just looking forward to that kind of aspect of it. So, what's the expectations then for the team? Are you going in to win it, or are you being realistic and just wanting to get through each game? Oh, I mean, obviously the the whole team want to win it. We're all gunning for gold. Um, but we are being realistic. Again, we're not expecting it to be easy. We are seed as number one. We're hoping to retain that, um, but we know that it's going to be a, a, a fighting challenge. But I think we're putting a lot of expectation on ourselves to do well. I mean, it's in home turf. We're, we're in front of our home crowd. We're going to have friends and family there seeing us. I mean, we're, we're putting a lot of expectation on ourselves, but hopefully it'll be good fun. Yeah, absolutely. And hopefully you get good crowds coming along to support you as well. Now, there's yeah, a couple of... There couple of players in the team from Scotland as well. You've been involved since 2016. Has the standard improved substantially over that time? Because it really feels like the women's game, especially in the UK, is very much on the grow. Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, the, the quality of football that we're now seeing in the women's game, even just in general, like, domestic Sapphire League, has been increasing and, like, gaining traction every year. We're seeing more active women coming in and joining the sport we've seen a lot of up-and-coming players that are just coming in and like blowing us out the water so i'm really impressed by like the talent and stuff that are coming through and yeah it's yeah good absolutely so we wish you all the very best for it and um, what's the goal moving forward for the game and you know even on the european stage is the hope to get more than the four teams involved uh, with the aspiration be to try and get more countries taking part yeah, definitely. I think, you know, the goal is for, you know, I mean, on my, my goal would be to have as many countries as possible, like to play them and stuff, just for like generic experience. But I mean, I'm hoping that even when we hopefully, fingers crossed, qualify for Worlds again in two years time, that we're going to have another like eclectic mixture of countries in there, just to try and get everybody involved in the sport. It's going to be great. And what would you say about your own development since you've been involved, obviously, as a player yourself? You've then gone on to the international level. You're playing for two teams now. Uh, you obviously love football. Um, but, you know, how much has the coaching from the UK and the sort of local teams in Scotland helped your game? 
oh that's been so beneficial like when I when I first started um obviously I was brand new at the game didn't even hadn't even watched an NFL game didn't know any rules so the local coaches obviously have given me that knowledge they've given me like the foundation skills and from that I've obviously been selected onto the national level and then from then on they've just built and built and built and I feel like I've just been I don't know how, how to describe I've just been like refined into this like football player that I never expected like anything to come of I just wanted it to be a hobby but now obviously it's grown arms and legs and do you know the coaching that you get no matter what stage you're at in this game is invaluable and I, I can't put a price on it yeah, no, absolutely. It's an amazing experience. And listen, we wish you all the very best. You and all the women, uh, let's hope you represent Great Britain. Get that number one seed and prove that you're worth it. And here's <laughs> hoping that you go on and win the whole thing. Yeah, thank you very much. Hope so. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, Amy, thanks for joining us here on the NFL Scotland podcast. Thank you. Great to hear from Amy then. And we wish the women all the very best in the European Championships. Yeah, it's not going to be easy, that's for sure. Yeah. But I, I think they've got a good spirit about them. You know, give it all you've got. Absolutely. A great experience for the, the girls there. And, you know, the, the women's game is ever growing in the UK. We'll be sure to give a quick update on that as well and see how they get on. So that's pretty much it then. This is first podcast back, first one for uh, a couple of weeks. Um, from next week, we'll be back into the proper groove of things. And we're going to start looking, first of all, with our preview of the North Division. So AFC North, NFC North, we'll have a couple of guests We'll have details of that coming up as to who they're going to be. And we're all going to try and figure out who's going to win what. Yeah, and of course, we'll take a note of our predictions. And then at the live event for the Super Bowl, we'll show you just how badly we did. Because that's what we did. We did last <laughs> year. So, um, yeah, it's been... This is a podcast just to get us back into things. The guests that you've lined up are terrific. So we're also looking ahead to our live event. So we've got a live event in Edinburgh. We've got a live event in Glasgow. So let's start with week one. Yep. In Edinburgh, obviously the Bears kick off on Thursday night football, but we'll be there from about 4.30 on the, the Sunday at the Golf Tavern in Edinburgh. If you've been along before, you know how good these things are. They're great fun. If you've not been before, please do come along. We'll get the tickets on sale. Now, the tickets, there's a small charge, but that's really just to cover a little bit of cost and to allow us to buy some prizes and things that we can give away on the day. Absolutely. Tickets should go on sale very, very shortly for that one. We've, we're working on guests. We've got a couple of people who we've pretty much lined up, but until we get them absolutely nailed in, we're not going to say anything just yet, but a couple of absolute cracked guests for that one. Um, we can also confirm as well, uh, final details still to be totally firmed on this, but right now we're looking at live event in Glasgow for week four. Um, that's going to be at committee room nine. So we're just announcing that one for you there. So pencil that one in in the diary because that's when we're planning it to, to, to land. We've got a couple of meetings this week with the people involved and then we should be able to firm it up completely. But, you know, last year we had great success at Edinburgh. We had two events. People really enjoyed it. We got lots of really good feedback. People have been asking us, are you doing it again? Are you doing it again? We got asked then, are you going to take it through somewhere else? Um, and absolutely Glasgow's next on the list it's the obvious place to go we've got a couple of guests lined up for that one as well who are also brilliant so different guests as well so if you come to Edinburgh you can also come to Glasgow it'll be two completely different events we'll have different football on anyway but ultimately what it is more than anything else is an opportunity to get a group a large group of NFL fans together in Scotland and just sit have a blether then watch the football and have a beer 
Yeah, and take the mickey out Saints as they lose because that's tended to be <laughs> what happens when we've had both events. I so. didn't even pick up on that. Indeed, I'm 0 for 2 uh, in these particular events. Now, just before we go, when I was flying home from the States, they dropped all or nothing on Amazon Prime the same day. Brilliant. Download it all because I was flying back on... Well, I won't name the airline because that would be unfair to American Airlines, but you've <laughs> you've got to have... You've got to have their app downloaded, and it didn't. It wasn't particularly reliable. So enough said about that. So I, I was basically feasting on all or nothing. And you know, I went into all or nothing thinking Cam Newton was an idiot, a bit of a clown, a bit of a joker, somebody you can't take too seriously. And as often happens when you watch these programs, you can change your mind. And to be honest, I didn't. Right, right. So I've yet to watch it. Um, I watched the first one with the Cardinals. I'll be honest, I've not watched one since. I'm more of a hard knocks guy than an all or nothing. I don't know why. It feels like for me, hard knocks is the here and the now, whereas the all or nothing is kind of like the review of what's been. Yeah. But sell it to me. Why should I watch it? Well, I think any insight you can get into an American football franchise, I think is fascinating. David Tepper took over ownership what he's planning for them is very interesting to see in terms of development. Their training ground is right next to the Bank of America Stadium. It looks slightly surreal. Some of the facilities didn't look quite the the level that you would expect. The one, t- well, several takeaways. One of them seemed to be food everywhere. So it's almost like they didn't have a cafeteria where everybody could go. Just about every quarterback's room, you know, the the main room, the linebackers' room. Everywhere seemed to have food copious amounts of food and not not necessarily the healthiest stuff. Greg Olson comes across as a great guy. Ron Rivera comes across pretty well. I, I really liked him. Cam Newton, I don't, I don't want to give too many spoilers away, but the scene where he's getting his hair cut and he's smoking a cigar just jarred with me horrendously. The way he chooses his clothes for the games just jarred with me horrendously <laughs> as well. So It'll be interesting to see, and we'll get feedback, hopefully, from people who've seen it. Let us know what you think. As I say, I don't think Cam Newton came across particularly well. Now, I know he had an injured shoulder, and I know that was a problem. And I give him credit for supporting the guy who went in behind him. So it's not that. There's just something about... I I don't know. He almost, you could argue, is the opposite to your Aaron Rodgers, your Drew Breeses. You know, they're a different style of quarterback, your Brady's, your Garoppolo's, things like that. I don't know, there's just something about him that rubbed me the wrong way. Um, And I didn't go in particularly looking to dislike him, I have to say that, but there was just something that didn't quite work for me. So it'll be interesting. Do you know what? I've got them already downloaded onto the iPad. I'm going to watch it over the next week. So when we catch up next week to talk about the AFC and NFC North, we'll do a little bit about all or nothing and see how we both got on with it. Brilliant. And I should say, just in closing, that last year was Tampa Bay and I went in with a very low um, opinion of Jameis Winston. I came out with a really high opinion of Jameis Winston. I thought it really did him the power of good. And although I don't particularly like his style as a player and would have drafted Mariota, I've said that numerous times, uh, he came across... Now, and he's had his problems with the law, etc., etc. You can only go on what you, what's showing you on the screen, he came a lot, lot more humble, a lot more hardworking. That's just me. Yeah, absolutely.
Right, okay, well that concludes things then for episode 59. We hope you've enjoyed listening, and again, we'd love to hear your feedback, good and bad. Make sure that you follow us on Twitter, at ScotlandNFL, and on Facebook, www.facebook.com forward slash ScotlandNFL. Thanks to all of you who have been listening, sharing and chatting about the podcast. We continue to see the numbers grow every week. We've been doing some giveaways, more giveaways to come. Look out for them, we've got some great stuff to give away. Keep sharing the podcast with all your NFL friends. Continue to let us know what you think. Keep the awards coming as well. We need your suggestions on what we do for next year. We've had some great ones in so far, but we're hoping to have more. Uh, And then we're going to run through them and pick the very best. Indeed, we'll be back next week as we kick off our preview, starting with the North, and we'll have more exciting news about our live events in Edinburgh and Glasgow. But until then, bye for now.